0: What's happening everybody, welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up, I'm Bob Wankel, Anthony Sanfilippo is here, and the Phillies, fresh off of a three game sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals, 14 games over 500, a season best 14 games over 500, creating a little separation in the National League wild card, and I feel like for the first time this season, everyone is feeling really good about the Phillies, Anthony, like really good. Everyone's starting to like smell October a little bit. They're hitting. They were timely situationally yesterday. Aaron Nola was outstanding. It's it's all coming up Phillies right now. So uh, here we are. And I guess let's get your impressions of what was an outstanding week of baseball for this Phillies team.
1: Yeah, it was a really good week, um, Bob. And, and, you know, we had talked on Friday. We didn't, you know, I had suggested that, this weekend, I was more skeptical skeptical of a sweep this weekend than I would have been for the upcoming series against the Angels. And the skepticism was from the fact that as bad as the Cardinals pitching has been, they at least have a good lineup. They at least hit hit well. And then the Phillies limited them to three runs in three games. And it was one... Each start was better than the next. I mean, Sanchez was... Really good on Friday. Wheeler was even better on Saturday. And Nola was even better on Sunday. I mean, it was just really good job by the starting staff. And in two of the games, the lineup was just off off the charts good. And then yesterday, they manuf- – I mean, yes, Forber gets a leadoff home run to start the game. But then they manufactured runs, Bob. And, and that was kind of an important thing, right? I mean, you know, you, you heard – Topper talk about it after the game. It was funny, like you were sitting right behind me in the in the press room, and we had talked about it when it happened. You know, Rojas gets that double, and then Schwarber has a productive out, moving him to third, and he scores on a sack fly. And you were you had said to me just how how important that was. You see that that they're able to do that because they usually don't. And then not even he wasn't even asked about it. Topper just brings it up himself in the press conference. And I looked at you like even the manager is noticing when they do those things, right? So, yes, it was every little thing that they needed to do right. They did right um, this weekend, and then even mostly in the Giants series, uh, with the exception of the one loss. But, I mean, we we're expecting, you know, to win every game. So, five out of six against the Giants and the Cardinals, and then they wrap up the, the long month of home games here in August. This week against the Angels, the Phillies are starting to get some separation, and, yes, they are starting to kind of – Come together and 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 gel at the right time, just as you're approaching September and October.
0: Yeah, and and you know what I th- I think yesterday for me was was the most encouraging of of the three games, which sounds kind of ridiculous because they have eleven hits, they only score three runs, they missed a bunch of opportunities to bust the game open early. But I do like the fact that they were able to execute at different points situationally. Like I go back to the fifth inning. And you get that Rojas double, you get Schwarber at the plate. And we have talked about this previously. He's not really a guy like if, if I have one true criticism of Kyle Schwarber at the top of the order, it's that he doesn't typically play the game situationally. He's not a guy that you usually rely on to move a runner over with a productive at bat. It really is boom or bust with him or walk. And so to see him be able to make that type of contact, pull side, takes a sinker early in the count. Rolls it over, gets a runner to third base. Like that, that's the type of stuff you need to do in October to win games, as as Rob noted. And yes, like certainly the home runs this month, that's the most encouraging thing of all. Offensively, they look like a much deeper, much more formidable lineup. And and that's what's going to draw the headlines and get everybody excited. But be able to bear down and do those little things on top of it, like that has me excited from an offensive standpoint. And all of a sudden, here, like you look up and they're knocking at the door of being a top-10 offense. And I tweeted it after the game on Saturday night. When they got to the end of play on July 26th, they were 17th in baseball in runs per game. And right now they're sitting right on the edge of being a top-10 offense in run production. It's been a huge jump this month. It's happened because of the long ball, and we've been waiting to see it, and that's great. But, man, these little things, they kind of get lost sometimes, and I'm telling you, it's a big deal.
1: No, it really, it really is, um, and and that's what's going to win you games in the playoffs, right? So every game that you play in the playoffs, you're facing pretty good pitching, or, or likely going to face pretty good pitching. I would say ninety percent of the games you play in the playoffs are against you know a, a good pitcher. So in essence, your runs per game are likely to come down just a hair, just because of the level of pitching that you're going to face, and for everybody, not just the Phillies. So what it's going to come down to is when you are getting runs, you have to or have opportunities to get runs, you're going to have to scratch them out sometimes. Yes, the home runs are awesome and they're going to come and and you're going to have some big postseason home runs as well. But you are going to need a run like that in the postseason, right? I mean, you're going to have a guy on second with nobody out and be like, you know what, this we don't need to hit a home run here. We just need that run. If we get the home run, great, but let's try and get the run. And if it means having a productive out, then have a productive out. And that's okay. And that's good baseball. And I think that, you know, the Phillies are starting to do that with a little bit more regularity, a little bit, I say, because it's not been every game. Um, But when you start to see it happen on a somewhat more consistent basis, it tells you that they're a little bit more locked in, not necessarily uh, locked in to be, an offensive juggernaut but locked in on what the task at hand is and that's the most important thing when you're getting into this time of season
0: yeah and before we get too much deeper into this show I I guess I need to stop and just say listen the Cardinals stink they have packed it in uh their pitching is dreadful so the fact that the Phillies scored what did it end up being 22 runs over three games against a bad Cardinals pitching staff like I don't want to get carried away here uh this is a team that they did beat the Giants two out of three that's a nice job but they just had lost two out of three to the, uh, the Nationals they split with Toronto they had lost two out of three at home to the Twins like uh, if you go big big picture and stretch this out over the past week or two it, it's not like they're playing unbelievably awesome baseball and and because they're five and one on this homestand because they're coming off a sweep we're going to come out here today and we're going to be really positive and I think we should be really positive about the overall direction and feel of things but while we're going to do that I, I guess we should acknowledge or I should acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, like, listen, it's not like they're, they're playing at 107 win pace here either. There still are some flaws and things, but I think today really is a day to sort of focus on what we saw this weekend and try to accentuate some of the positives. Like I know that people, they tend to get a little carried away when things are, are not going well this team stinks if they can't beat the Nationals two out of three, they're not a playoff team. So by the same token, I don't want to come out and say, well, they just destroyed the Cardinals. Like, let's start planning the parade. But I got to tell you, like, there's two things here. You look at the pitching staff, and one of the things I've been harping on lately is that the offenses look better, but I haven't had a great feeling about what I've seen from a pitching standpoint. It, It just hasn't been as sharp. It hasn't been as crisp. I think that there's some concerns in that rotation. There have been some lingering issues in the bullpen here for the last four to six weeks or so. But this weekend, 27 innings pitched, 10 hits allowed, three earned runs allowed, three walks all came yesterday, 34 total strikeouts across three games. And say what you will about the Cardinals, but they do have some decent offensive parts. It was a dominant effort by this Phillies pitching staff, both starters and relievers this weekend.
1: Yeah, it really was. And and that's look, Bob, when you when you look at the Phillies and I was just kind of glancing at it this morning, right? As I'm sitting here eating breakfast. I I was just kind of like looking at you know, pitching statistics just just for just for kicks and you know, just looking around, just kind of looking for something interesting. And if you if you really look at it, like th- they are a whip dynamo in a lot of ways. I mean, you have guys if you, you talk about under whips under one point two. Well, one point two is not like lights out, but it's pretty darn good. Okay. So whips under one point two, Nola, Wheeler, Sanchez, Kimbrel, Strom, Soto, Hoffman, Alvarado, Lorenzen, all under one point two. And that's so like you just named like the almost the entire rotation and five bullpen guys. And so, like, when they're at their peak, and when they're pitching like this, they're a tough out, man. They're tough to beat. They're in every game. Wait, really, look, if you go back through the season, and I didn't do this, but I'm just, you know, off the top of my head. How many games are the Phillies not in? Like, are they like are they, you know, they've had a few games where they've been blown out. I mean, it happens every team. No, that's why it feels like every loss is a bad loss
0: because yes. it's not, well, they just <laughs> did not have it today. They got their doors blown off. What are you going to yeah. do? Every loss is a, if they would have done one or two things, they would have won this game, which is a testament, I think, overall to the brand that yeah. they're playing, which is what you're talking about. Exactly. Um, and to your point on WHIP, uh, the Phillies are actually sixth in Major League Baseball this season in WIP. Uh, only the Dodgers and Brewers in the National League have been better, and then Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Seattle are one, two, and three. So yeah. uh, when you look across the board, yeah, I mean, that definitely stands out course we're sort of burying the lead here and that is Aaron Nola and yeah. look uh, I've been critical of Aaron Nola um, I, I think that there are people out there that have been significantly more critical of Aaron Nola than des- me des- look
1: deservedly so this season
0: yes uh, deservedly so I will tell you yesterday, it was it was obviously really encouraging. You have the leadoff double to Tommy Edmond. Uh, he does not allow another runner into scoring position in his seven innings of work. Only allows one hit, one walk, strikes out nine. And I said it to you before we started recording. To me, and I wrote this in, in the game story that's on Crossing Broad this morning, it's not about the what for me. It's not the seven innings of shutout baseball. Like that, Certainly that's great, and that's why we all feel good. But it's the the how. It's how he did it. And let's, let's look at this in two different ways. His fastball yesterday was good. He finished a lot of at-bats yesterday with his fastball. But when you look at the velocity, he averaged 92.7 miles per hour with it. He topped out at about 94. His season average, forcing fastball velocity, 92.7. It's not like he was throwing the ball significantly harder yesterday, but there were two things that really jumped out. One, it was the location and his ability to play it off the breaking ball, which was outstanding. And then I thought more importantly, he trusted it and he went to it. He threw his fastball yesterday 51% of the time. This season he's only done it 28% of the time. Like he said, hey, I got to trust it today. And I think off that curveball, it, it just played so much better. And when I look at the picks, Mitch, I look at the confidence, I look at the location, I say, all right. Like, this is something that maybe he can build off of here now for the first time, really try to gain some momentum this season.
1: Yeah, it was really – he pitched backwards for, for himself. I mean, most pitchers, you know, go fastball as their lead pitch and then their breaking stuff comes behind it. But Nola is one of those guys who, as you pointed out, sp- spreads it around. Like, his his pitches are – he uses them all pretty evenly, right? I mean, for the most part. And like you said, fastballs, he has not been throwing as many of them. Um and you could tell on when you strike out, what was it? Seven of the nine batters were struck out on fastballs, um, you know, instead of the breaking stuff. And it like early. I, I mean, I think it was the, the the first strikeout he had. Um who was that number two hitter yesterday for the for the Cardinals? Uh,
0: you're the one that writes down the whole
1: thing. You know mean? I gotta pull part, out like the it's, whole it's thing. Like it's nineteen eighty two. Yes, I keep score yeah. for every game. And and I can't and then I forget what that uh Burlson. Burlson was the guy. I uh, was their number two hitter. His first first strikeout, um, it was like almost like he threw curveball, curveball, curveball. And it was like, oh man, he's not he's not um you know, it, he was like looking for fastball to swing at, and he was just beating him with the curveball. But other than that, Dave's guys were looking for the rest of that lineup yeah. was looking for curveballs, and he would just sneak that little you know, forcing fastball right in, right over the corner to plate and strike him out looking. It was, it was impressive. Like that was, and I got to give credit to to real Muto on that. You know, a lot of times we we talk about real Muto and you know how he calls games and things, but when you call a game that way. And you and you have a lineup figured out, and you know that you got them looking for something that they're not going to get. That's that's really good preparation, really good work. And and you know, Noah trusting. I mean, Noah's on that same page too. He's a cerebral guy. We heard Stubbs talk about that when we had him on here uh, about a month and a half ago, or two months ago now. Um, but but yeah, it, so good credit to both of them. But yeah, they really pitched it backwards, and it was it brought some success. And I wonder if he could do that going forward.
0: What's interesting now is this. So he struggles in the first inning against the Giants last Monday, and then he goes and cruises those final six frames, and it's a good start. And then you see what he does yesterday. So that means that in his last two starts now, he's pitched 14 innings. He's allowed just two – I'm sorry, what is it? Uh, One earned run, two earned runs? Two earned runs. Two two earned runs, For the month of August, five starts, he finishes with a 3.68 ERA. That's his second best month by ERA this season. It was 3.58 in April. But what's interesting about that is his first three starts of the month were dreadful 15 plus innings pitched, allowed 10 earned runs. And so you see what he's been able to do these last two starts. It's the first time all season, he's made 27 starts this year. It's the first time all season that he has allowed less than three combined earned runs across two starts. Like, that's amazing to me that up until this point, he had not been able to put together consecutive starts in which he allowed less than three earned runs. He finally did that yesterday as we near September. And that kind of begs the question, because, you know, and it's been the theme of this show here for the last two weeks, it's felt like, as they're kind of treading water. It's, hey, what about October? What can we take from what's happening right now and apply it looking forward? And I'm not as bullish on the Phillies' Recapturing Red October and, and and recapturing that magic because I don't feel as good about Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola as that one two, like I did a year ago. Well, guess what? The, the Zach Wheeler I saw on Saturday night was as good as it gets, and and I think he's been generally pretty good this year. In fairness yeah. to him, I I feel good every time he takes the ball, but the Aaron Nola that I've seen now this this week in two starts. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're we're going to see him blow up again this weekend in Milwaukee. Maybe that happens. And we're all frustrated all over again. And we say, "Like, I just can't I just can't do it. But if you get that guy or some semblance of that guy that we've been waiting to see, then when you talk about October and, and beating in an Atlanta or beating a Los Angeles or being able to pitch with a team like Milwaukee, I, I can buy it. And it's not just about, oh, they did it last year and they have to feel confident and the crowd's really good. Like, we're talking about, like, no, forget all that. Like, you can just hand the ball to Wheeler, and Nola, and, and they can win a series for you effectively. And, and that really changes the math on what this team could do six weeks from now.
1: certainly does. It certainly does, Bob. And, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, if, if those two guys are the, their normal selves – They are, they can beat any team in baseball in a a playoff series, any team. They could be, they could beat the Braves. I mean, it's, you need, without Wheeler and Nola being Wheeler and Nola, you're not beating the Braves. So that, so let's just be, let's just be blunt about it, right? They need those guys to be what we saw this weekend. And again, you don't need to be that, that dominant. It'd be great if you are, but they need to be those kinds of pitchers if you want to beat Atlanta and you're going to face Atlanta, if you're in, if you go, if you want to go back to the world series, you're going to face the Braves. You need those guys to beat Atlanta. And if you do that, which that would be first, you're also going to need those guys to beat the Dodgers who are playing great baseball right now as well. You know, so to get to the world series, you're gonna to have to go through two very good teams. There's going to be somebody else first. We don't know who, because the rest of the wild card raises insanity right now. Um, but, if you're going to get there you got you need those Wheeler and Nola to pitch like you expect them expect them to pitch by their names against Atlanta and the Dodgers and in order to do that they have to pitch like they did the last two nights
0: so well, I, I want to talk a little bit I, I guess about uh that that statistical oddity that we had seen here during this homestand up until yesterday and it actually started uh down in Washington last weekend but Philly's first pitch yesterday, Kyle Schwarber, 436 feet out the center field, one nothing. Great. It's the first time in nine games they scored first. Um, and certainly they had been able to overcome that against the Giants and in the first two games against the Cardinals. But like, do you think, like, we, we've we sort of applauded this ability to erase deficits. I think, what did you say? 13 in a row 14. they had it, 14, 14 in a row?
1: Yeah, fourteen in a row. They had trailed. Yeah, they had they trailed. Win more
0: than they had lost, and and so like yeah. we say credit to them for being resilient and not letting early deficits or, or deficits at any point in the game even really uh, deter them. But you know, yesterday it was nice to see them get out early and hold a lead. And you know, on this this little eight game run where the opponent had scored first, the Phillies had still managed to put together a five and three record. Overall, though, and as as you move forward. And this is kind of like one of those minor annoyances with the pitching staff and where you just felt like, damn, come on, guys. Like they are this season 45 and 17 when they score first now after winning yesterday. Do you take anything at all from this? Like sometimes we look at the game notes like that the team supplies or you watch every game and you start to notice like little weird trends. And so you dig in and you do your homework and say, that's bizarre. Like, was that all this was? Or like, do you really think that there is some type of meaning that can be extracted from this?
1: Well, it's, it's a good question because, I you know, I we talked to Rob about it, right? I mean, I asked him the question on Friday night. I mean, I felt it was the last question of the press conference because, you know, they win the game Friday. It was a pretty good win. Sanchez pitched great, and, you know, everybody was talking about the offense and this and that. And Rob gave me the – like, he gave me the window because he, he mentioned the fact that they had been giving up runs early in games. And I said to him, I said, well, Rob, this keeps happening, you know, and that, at the time it was only 12 games. Uh, in a row that they had trailed. Um, and so I you know, asked him about it, and he said, I, I think it's just one of those things that we're just kind of going through right now. I don't think it's a – like he didn't think it's a chronic problem that's going to be an issue. Um, but I do think that there is real value to scoring first, especially when you have good pitching, right? I mean, if you have starters you can rely on and a, and a strong bullpen, if you get an early lead, even if it's 1-0 nothing. There's a reason you're 45 and 17 when you score first. I mean, that's a very good percentage of games you're going to win, and it's because you have good pitching. So if you have that, if you if you trust your pitching, which it seems like the Phillies do for the most part, then, yeah, getting an early lead is important. But it falls on that pitching staff to ensure that the other team's not getting the lead first, right? So it's So it's kind of a symbiotic relationship there. So yes, you don't want those guys. But the one thing I and I wrote about this on um, after Friday night's game, because the answer that uh, that Rob gave, and, and then also talking to Stubbs afterwards, the Phillies are really good at seeing what another, what another lineup is doing early, and then and then adjusting. So that this is the this is the thing we keep talking about. Okay, so they give up the runner in a first inning, or they give up two runs early, and then they're able to come back and win. We we applaud their resilience, right, and all that stuff. But in order to be that resilient offense, it requires the pitchers to figure out, all right, what the hell went wrong? And let's make sure, let's stabilize it, make sure it doesn't keep going wrong. And so that, you know, from what it sounds like, it sounds like they identify a few things right away and make changes to their game plan or, or adjust what the hitters are, are looking to do. And then we find that, you know, if you go back and see that story, I, like I, I did a thing, it was like they were averaging giving up. I think it was zero point eight. If I I don't have the story up in front of me, it was something like zero point eight runs in first innings in the last two weeks, and then zero point four or something like that for every inning thereafter. And so it's like it, they figure something out, and they and they prevent it from snowballing. Okay, for the most part, yes, they lose some of those games. Last Sunday. And uh, Little League Classic against Washington is case in point. You get behind 4-0 in the first inning. The final score is 4-3. They don't give up another run after the first inning, but it still wasn't. They didn't do enough to get back, right? So so that's an example of, okay, you probably let it go too far. But at the same time, just think of the performance that Wheeler gave you after those first five hitters. He was dominant. So they find things, and they're able to figure out what they want to do. You just got. You just don't want it to be too prevalent that the other team is jumping out to those leads you want you want to be the team that gets out in front
0: yeah i, I think that that's fair i, I kind of actually i want to take a, a closer look at the offense here uh, let me open the conversation by asking you a very simple and direct question which is the total opposite of what i typically do um, <laughs> okay <laughs> do the phillies have a good offense
1: good yes great no I, they're good. It's a good offense. I mean, you look at what they do, and you say, "Yeah, that's a good offense." If you're if you're top ten, well, I think they're eleventh, right? You said they're approaching the top ten in runs scored per game, then you're a good offense. You're you're good. You're just good, though.
0: What's what's been really interesting? We've made a lot about the the home run surge in August, but I, I want to put a little context behind this, not just that this is more home runs than any Phillies team has ever hit in a single month ever. Like that's a great stat, and certainly. Uh, illustrates how how good they've been but if you look at where they've moved like we've talked so much this season about this team just doesn't hit enough home runs and that's why they can't consistently score on August 1st they were 21st in baseball in home runs per game 1.07 home runs per game right now this morning They're 13th in baseball with 1.25 home runs per game. They move from 21st to 13th in one month. Like this late in the season, it's not May, you know, like to, to make that type of jump this late in the year where they could potentially be a top 10 team in terms of home runs hit like that, that is a massive jump. And if you go, okay, cool. Like that's good stat, I guess. Like here's, here's one more though. On August 1st, the Phillies were 14th in slugging percentage as a team. This morning, they're sixth. They've moved from 14th to sixth in baseball in slugging. Again, like that is a massive surge in a 27-day span. And it's a testament to just how good they've been this month. And we talk about the the inability to really capitalize on a soft schedule. I would say that after this sweep and after a 5-1 and one start to this homestand, if they can win this series against the Angels, I think that you're going to look at the total record and say, like, listen, yeah, like did they, did they go f- – 14 games over 500 in August? No, but, like, they they reasonably did what they were supposed to do. Like, we're not that far off anymore after what they've done this week. And I think it shows you that they they took advantage of some bad pitching, which is exactly what we've been asking them to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're sixth in the baseball in OPS, tied for fifth in OPS Plus. Um, and you kind of, you know, you kind of look at that and say, as – This you know, everybody always talks about that they're a feast or famine offense. That they're really, really inconsistent, and they at times they have been. But I think every if you watched any team with regularity, you would find the same thing. When you're a top five offensive team, you know, compare looking at your OPS and adjusting it to where your games are being played in all the ballparks and whatever. And the only teams you are looking up at at the at the moment are the Braves, the Dodgers, the Texas Rangers, and Tampa. And really, when you look at it, Texas and T- Tampa got off the furious starts and have maybe come back to the pack a little bit. So, like th- those numbers might be a little bit front loaded. You're really looking at best offenses currently in baseball: Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers, Philadelphia Phillies, and and that's you know Mariners are probably right in there too. Uh, uh, the way that they've been playing that that's it. I mean they're they're that they're in that upper echelon um they're good they still in my mind need to show me a little bit more consistency than just the, you know the past month and don't forget in this month there was a three game stretch where they scored three runs right yeah. i think that it was it was an ugly yeah. it was an ugly stretch of games of those three games so so really if you take those three out how good has the month been like it's been even probably even better um so yeah, but they're they're getting there. They're getting to where they need to be. If we have this conversation, Bob, in two three weeks, I might have a, I might say to you, oh, they're a very good offense, like they're or they're top of the top of the sport offense behind Atlanta kind of thing. Right now, in my mind, they're good, and they, and there's still room for them to get even better.
0: So we're kind of talking about the whole here, and to me, it's interesting. You look at some of the individual parts because we've spent a lot of the season talking about, hey, this guy just isn't what we're we're accustomed to seeing he's not doing what we expect you know the the big money guys they're, they're not kind of living up to expectations it's weird though like you talk about like letting the 162 play out and then sort of assess where where ultimately everything sort of shakes out and uh, you know it, it's pretty interesting looking at individuals here like nick castellanos is and and we we're talking about him at the game yesterday we're both down there both covering it um you know, he, he puts together a game where he looks terrible. He looks he looks terrible for three at bats and then he singles or he it's a, a double into the gap or homers. Like you, you'd like to see more consistency in in the way each at bat looks, but overall he's sort of like leveled off and you feel like he's gonna finish somewhere between two seventy-five, two eighty. He's on pace for twenty-seven home runs, forty doubles, hundred and two runs batted in. Like that's a pretty good season from Nick Cassianos. Kyle Schwarber is he going to hit 200? He, he might, he could, maybe he's, he's short of that, but you're still looking at a, at a guy that's pacing for 45 home runs, uh, 125 walks, and 105 runs batted in. Like, it's a pretty good season. Stotts on pace for 50 extra base hits, 16 homers, 34 doubles. He's hitting 296. I'll finish here. Alec Bohm on pace for 17 homers, 98 runs batted in, 46 extra base hits. Harper. Gets off to this slow start. The power's not there. What's wrong with Bryce Harper? Dude, he's on pace for 45 extra base hits at the end of the season, 15 homers, 30 doubles. And if you really just go off the pace that he's put together these last two weeks, it's like not absurd to say that he might finish with like 18 home runs this season when we were talking about how it might be a struggle for him to get to 10 at one point.
1: Yeah. His his OPS plus at this so far this season is 140.
0: Yeah. He's hitting 306 with an 878 OPS, and like that thing is on the the upward trend right now. Yeah, it, he's he's putting together this mini monster year. Turner, even we know how bad he's been for the most of the season, but in August, 302, he has an 881 OPS. And then the last guy is the one guy that I think people just don't really feel good about right now. That's JT Realmuto, and it's it's like interesting. I've, I've made this point in the past, like his it bet to end the game Wednesday against the Giants, or not end the game, but. In the ninth inning with the winning run 90 feet away in the bottom of the ninth. Like it was so bad. It was such a bad at bat. And he's been so bad at home all year. The home road split is just unbelievable. But he still has a 765 OPS. He's hitting 250. Yeah. He might hit 20 home runs this season. Like not bad for a, a catcher that just takes a beating day after day after day. Like I don't feel great about where he's at. I have been underwhelmed by him. In, in general but like it's not like he's been a disaster either.
1: No he hasn't been a disaster. He's just been a little bit a little bit disappointing and you know he had a slow start in 22 but then once Harper got beamed uh, on the wrist and had to miss all that time with that with that uh, broken uh, broken hand or th- whatever it was hand thumb I forget what it was Real Muto took off was like really the, the team MVP from that point forward for the rest of the regular season. And so I think a lot of people thought when he got off to a slow start again in 23, that, Oh, well, he'll, you know, he'll, he gets good later in the year. He'll get, he'll figure it out. he will turn it around. And he's had some moments. He's had some games where you're like, that's a heck of a game by JT, but it never really has clicked with any kind of consistency. And so I think that that's probably why people would like to see a little bit more out of real Muto. Um, but again, I mean, it, you know, just compare him to other catchers in baseball. Where is he at?
0: Well, in, in in fairness to him, too, this is his best month of the season. He's hitting 288 in August. He has an 813 OPS in August. Yeah. And like I, I just want to call this out. And I think that, that maybe they've talked about this on the telecast. Maybe it's it's come up on the radio, but his home road split. Like, here you go. At Citizens Bank Park this season, he's hitting 198. With a five ninety-four OPS on the road, he's hitting three oh two with a nine thirty-one OPS. It's like, wild. How do you make sense of that? Yeah. That's it's crazy. it's absolutely crazy. But so I think when you look at all these individual parts, like we're at a point in the season right now, and talk to me on Friday, maybe things go south against a bad Angels team and they lose two out of three and then they kinda have a pretty good home stand, not a great one. Like maybe we're we're gonna have a different opinion in four days, but you start to look at each individual part and you feel pretty good about all of them right now, mostly. And then you look at, the, at these numbers and the way that they've been able to move offensively over the last month or so. And yeah, I kind of come back to where you're at. Is this a great offense? No. Um, is it a good offense? Yeah. And like, is it a good enough offense to beat you in October? If you get the type of starting pitching that we're talking about between Nola and Wheeler? Yeah. Yeah. And and so yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I, I was just smiling and agreeing with you because I, I it's nice to see that you you you're seeing things the same way that I see them. <laughs> so, so that
0: does like, and, and here we are. Like I'm pissing positive all over this show. Let me let me ask you this question then. Like, if if a month from now, and this is a huge if, and it's a stupid if because we know how baseball is, but. If we're sitting here on, let's say September 28th and we reasonably feel the same way we feel right now, like, wow, well, you know, like they've been better and I feel good about these things. What's the one thing between now and the end of the season that you, you would like to see? Like, I guess the way I'm asking this is like, we all feel pretty good right now. We feel like they have a puncher's chance against the Goliaths of the national league. Okay. What's the one thing that has to kind of happen for you to go, not only do I feel good about this, but like I fully convinced myself that they can take one of these teams down and not can, but will.
1: Yeah. So there's actually, you say one thing. I think there's a few things, Bob, in all honesty, um, that I want to see. Uh, <laughs> one, I want to see Noah continue to do what he did, what he's done the last two starts. Like, you know, it, again, it doesn't have to be seven shutout innings, but, uh, you know, keep the ball in the yard, don't have blow up innings, you know, really have command of the strike zone. That's the other thing. He, you know, this year he's been walking guys uh, at a higher rate than he did the last couple seasons. Really hasn't done that in the last two starts, right? I mean, he's really done a good job of, of you know, keeping guys off the base. So, um that's what I want to see first and foremost. I want to see Craig Kimberl have a few good saves in a row. Um you had you had a save yesterday, okay, fine, but was preceded by a walk and a double um you know so are, those are kinds of things that you don't want to see happen there was no need for the tying run to get to the plate in nolan arenado in the ninth inning of a three nothing game yesterday and, and yet it did that so, walk
0: in the ninth inning drove me absolutely crazy i looked at you and what did i say i'm like yeah, yeah. You know, we're not up there rooting or anything. We all know that. But I'm like, you can't fucking walk that guy. Like, that yeah, was yeah. just what I said. Like, right. When well,
1: you put yourself in a situation where you're now facing Goldschmidt and and Arenado, And if you have two all-star players get a hit off you, all of a sudden, the g- it's a different game. Right? Yeah. It's a whole different game. So... um so, yes, so that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I want to see that again. Again, like we talked about in the last episode, he's not been terrible, but he's also not been as dominant as he was earlier in the summer. So those those two things I want to see. And then the third thing that I really want to see, Bob, is I really want to see them send a message to the Braves in the seven games that they play them in September. I want to see them go. It doesn't matter what the you, know, the, you know, I'm not saying that they have to win five out of seven or, or whatever to scare the hell out of Braves. Whatever the outcome ends up being, I want them to be good games, hard games, well played games, and have the Braves thinking in the back of their head: this is the team we don't want to play. That's what I want them to do in September. Create that doubt in the minds of a baseball team that has blown the doors off of everybody they face this year. You face them seven times in September. You go four and three or three and four. That's fine, but just make the Braves think twice. Like, hmm, this is a team that can get us.
0: What do you think the, the the discourse in Atlanta is right now? Like Atlanta Sports Talk Radio, are they down there saying like, wow, we just have this great team and they they've won a World Series. It's not like they've never done it before. Um, we're we're going to blow the doors off off the National League. Is it like a, a puff out the chest type thing down there or are they kind of going like, you know, that Phillies team is 14 games over 500. They're pretty good. And like, they took it to us last year.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think that there's probably some people who are thinking that down there. I think there are probably some people who look at it and go, let's not overlook this team after what happened last year. But I do think that there's a, a mentality that this is a revenge tour from yeah. last year. Like, they felt like last year they should have won and they didn't. And so, like, they've gone out and and you look at every series that they've been in this year up to this point. Where it was, this is a good series, this is a good matchup, and they've basically crushed the opposition.
0: Yeah, like they lost last night. They got a, they were down early. They took the lead, and you figured, all right, they're going to sweep yeah. San Francisco. Like, there's just, it's almost like surprising when they when they come lose back or they yeah. lose, even. like it's, yeah. they are, they have been that good. And the one thing I'll say, like we we've talked about, well, you know, this is a team that has not had to play in a lot of uh, meaningful games. Uh, they haven't had to feel the pressure the must win need a win gotta win a series like and that's a credit to them that they haven't had to do that they've been that good it's not like that they're, they're running away in a division where there's no team that has played decent baseball it's not like the phillies are two games over 500 right now it's a credit to them it does remain to be seen whether or not that will ultimately come back to hurt them yeah but i i will say it is extraordinarily impressive that they have not had to play with that type of urgency or that type of anxiety, and they just keep winning anyway. Like, I guess in some way it can be easy to win when A, you're awesome, and B, you don't feel that pressure. But to be able to stay that locked in and continue to win series and continue to produce offensively at that level, like, it would be easy. And, and they went through a little bit of a spell back uh, post-All-Star break where they were struggling a little bit. But by and large, they have avoided those those, you know, stretches where they've just not played well at all. And and like they sur- they certainly seem dialed into me, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, but here's the one difference, Bob. Their pitching has not been as. I think as as good as they would have hoped it would be. Strider's been been good.
0: Um, you know what though, like let, let me just say this. Like, I, I hear you, and I, I think you can make an argument that Strider might ultimately win the Cy Young. Like I know we had that w- w- brief yeah. back and forth about that. Their pitching this season, though, is third in baseball and ERA. Like I, I hear yeah. you. I feel like that that pitching's good. It's not scary, but it's good.
1: It's good, but it it's third in ERA, but I think that it's third in ERA because you know, they've they've get up they've been Fortunate to get out of certain situations, I, I, I consistently, and that's credit to them that they could, that they can do that. But they don't they give up more a few more base runners than I think you think. I mean, you know, Elder got off to a great start, and now he's kind of been you know, falling back to the pack a little bit. Charlie Morton's ageless, right? Does a nice job, but you know, he's a fi- what a five inning guy on most nights. Yeah, if he gets you six, great. But his whip is high. Yeah, they're twelfth
0: um, in whip this season as a team. Like they're yeah, they're so in you... the Baltimore Orioles, who like as good as they've been. You're like, ah, their pitching's kind of
1: so there you go. I mean, you just yeah. said it. they're as a team, their whip is twelfth, which is it's not terrible, but it's not great either. Right. And so that's a, so that's what I'm saying. If you that's why I keep pointing out to if the if you have Wheeler and Nola pitching like they can, you can beat the Braves because. They they don't have the they don't have the dominant ability to have dominant pitching on a nightly basis. Can they do it over a short series? Of course. They could be just as good as the Phillies pitchers in, in, in a five-game series. And then maybe we're talking about a three-game sweep and it's a, you know, it was an ugly series against the Braves. But at the same time, I look at it and say, I there's nobody I look at in that on that roster uh, that I say Oh, we don't want to face that guy coming out of the pen or that starting pitcher is so dominant that, that they're gonna be they're gonna be a problem for the Phillies. I, I don't see it. I don't see one guy, you know, maybe maybe if Freed gets his gets his act together, but he hasn't looked good since coming back from his injury. Like th- that's what I'm saying. Like there's nothing there that I go, oh man, you know, they Phillies can't hit that guy. Oh, right. yeah. They, this is a hittable pitching staff.
0: I want to look ahead a little bit to this week, and you have an Angels team coming in here that has played pretty poor baseball um, in the second half, certainly since the trade deadline. They're within arm's reach of a wild card spot. They say, you know what, Like, let's go for it. Uh, it has not worked out. Uh, it, it's been a disaster, and, and there's a lot of reasons why, and certainly most recently, Trout going back on the on the injured list, uh, Shohei Otani, obviously going to be shut down. Probably won't throw a baseball in a, a competitive game until 2025. It looks like um, one of the reasons, though, it has not gone well for the Angels is that Lucas Giolito has been a mess uh, since since arriving in Los Angeles. And in five starts with the Angels, uh, he's one and four. He has a six six seven ERA, and over 27 innings pitched, he's allowed 29 hits. He's walked 11. And he's allowed seven home runs. Like he has a one four eight one whip in twenty seven innings with the Angels. Now, he, to his credit, he had his best start with them uh, last time out: six innings, one run allowed uh, against the Reds, nine strikeouts, only one walk. So he's coming into this start with some momentum. But he has been very disappointing. This Angels team, much like the much like the Cardinals team, though they're a little bit closer in the standings, like they're done, and and I think they know it. Uh, so, what do you kind of expect here this week?
1: No, I, I think I said it on Friday. I'm going to stick with it. I mean, I expect the Phillies to, you know, win this series handily. I mean, it, it's got to be two out of three. If not, I, if, I think a sweep is, is certainly, certainly a realistic possibility. I mean, it. <laughs> their most, their most regular players are, are hurt. Like Trout, Taylor Ward, uh, uh. Matt Thize, the catcher, is he's hurt. Um, well, Rendon, but he's been a disaster. But he was a, you know, their starting third baseman. Zach Neto, it's hurt. Um, they're, they're playing with a bunch of other guys. You know, you got Otani still hitting. You know, and then other bunch of everybody else's. I mean, Brandon Drury, I guess, is having an okay year. Whatever. That's but that's it. Like. There's nothing on this team, and then when you look at the pitchers, like you said, I mean, you pointed out uh, Giolito, but I mean, who else they had in that rotation, man? Yeah, you're gonna see Tyler
0: Anderson, who's just a guy, five two five, five three five ERA, and then you see Reed Detmers, who is just a guy, three and ten, five o three
1: ERA. So, Uh, at least have an opportunity here to take it. Yeah, I know he threw he threw a no hitter last year. That's great. (laughs) Like, come on, man. And then, and then, if you get into their bullpen. Like, the only – you know who the only really good bullpen guy they have is? Matt Moore. <laughs> yes, that Matt Moore. Who very in,
0: very intimidating, Matt Moore. Uh, right?
1: Yeah, I sure. mean, yeah, the
0: numbers are pretty good, but not exactly a guy that, you know, you see him out there and you go, uh-oh. Uh Yeah, I mean, listen, the Phillies are going to counter with Walker tonight. I don't know what he's going to give you. I, I think, like, coming in, we always, we've been talking about the odds a lot lately, you know, the, yeah. the day of games and – Phillies are mi- minus 149 right now. That's not what you'd necessarily expect for a team that's playing good baseball at home, 14 games over against a team that's dead, you know, dead men walking, basically. Uh, but again, like, I think that a lot of that has to do with the uncertainty of Taiwan Walker. You just don't know. Like, I, I guess he was he was better against the Giants, five innings, three runs, tough start, got out of it, was okay, gave up a couple in the middle of the game. Like, I just don't know what he gives you right now. But you would expect that the Phillies, even with Giolito having some ceiling, like you'd expect them to be able to, to get a win tonight. Um, one thing that the Phillies do have a little bit of an annoying habit of doing is is not stringing together wins. So, like, they, they come off a sweep. Can they kind of keep their foot on the gas now coming into tonight? We'll see. But yeah, I mean, when you look at the way the series, like, forget the individual games, when you look at how the series shakes out, I would imagine that they're going to go uh, Lorenzen. Yeah, he is the the scheduled starter for uh, Tuesday. And then I guess it'll be Sanchez, though it's not yet announced on Wednesday. Like This is a series of should win. Should they sweep them coming off of a sweep? I don't know. Like, it's that might be asking a lot. Otani pops a two-home run game in there and you, you lose. Like, I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. But again, like, this should be an opportunity to finish this homestand seven and two. And with maybe a shot at eight and one. So they been asking the Phillies to make a move here with September presenting some challenges. And I think that those challenges begin this weekend against a Brewers team that is very hot right now. Beat the Phillies in a series at Citizens Bank Park previously. Man, do they pitch. Man, does that bullpen close the door. Uh, so it's not going to just be, I I don't think cruise control here on out. So again, like this is an opportunity to take advantage of a vulnerable opponent and and hopefully they do it.
1: Yeah. uh, You you mean you're not worried about the Mick coming in here and, uh, ripping things up against the fills?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, listen, um, he he's uh, hitting three something in his last seven games, even though he's hitting like 180 in his last 17 games. So he must be on a hot streak right now. I actually pulled up his numbers here. It, uh, it was
1: Only because he went three for four in the first game of that doubleheader yeah. against the Reds. That was it. Yeah. I mean, other than that, he's had a, what one for four, he's, one for four, one for four, something. Yeah,
0: like that. I believe he's coming off a two for twelve weekend uh, in New York. So uh, yeah. I'm telling you, he's good for a home run this week, though. He's going to get them once. I, I I can feel it in my in my bones. I think he's going to get Lorenzen tomorrow. That's that's my my bold uh, my bold call. Um, <laughs> and we'll see. That. I mean, like in all honesty, like you know, just getting back to the Phillies here real quick. Like you know, I I do want to see Taiwan Walker come out and be a little bit better, a little sharper. Like, hey man, is it that much to ask that you get through the first inning of a game and and not turn it into a Raging dumpster fire, like, like, come on, figure it out, Michael Lorenzen. Like we talked about this on Friday. I can't kill him off of a, a ten day break following a no hitter. He's still on a little bit of a weird schedule. That next start, like this third one out post no hitter though, like let's get back to being a guy that you can kind of count on as a middle of the rotation piece. Even if the innings aren't going to be there in September, like maybe like as you we talked yesterday, like a potential piggyback situation between him and Sanchez. Try to to lower the workload here. Like I, I don't know, but like I'd like to see a little bit more than what we've seen from him the last two times out for sure. So you know, there's still always some boxes to check here, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you, and you think Moniak's going to hit a home runoff? Uh,
0: yeah. Like I'm not saying he's going to have a blow up start tomorrow, but I just think that Moniak gets gets the Phillies for one this week.
1: Yeah. Okay. And his then last, he last nine,
0: out the other his, nine at bats.
1: His his yeah his last ninety one at bats, he struck out forty three times.
0: How many How many times has he walked?
1: Do you have that there? Three.
0: Three. <laughs> <laughs> his
1: last last 25 games 165 192 264 slash line 455 ops mm. stay hot Nick. Mm. stay hot
0: how do you not like how do you walk 3 times like in 90 you say 40 how many strikeouts
1: 43 in strikeouts in 91 at bats so it's 94 plate appearances so yeah, 91 he, of, 91 at bats
0: he's absolutely going to hit a home run this week because <laughs> because this isn't cool like we're just piling on this guy for no reason
1: I know he was just on.
0: Uh, I think that he was on high hopes. I uh, I did not. I did not listen to that. But uh, oh,
1: was he really? Yeah,
0: they, they had their guy on. So oh, their guy, Nick Moniak.
1: That's funny. I didn't know that he was on.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I, have, I think that pretty I much it on Philly stuff. But well,
1: you know. I know, but I have one thing that I want to do. It's kind of yeah. related to Phillies. Before we get to one last thing, and it, 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 look, we at Crossing Broad, one of the things that we write about and it's mostly Kincaid that does it but um is we write about local media right I mean we talk about the local media and we have done this Bob for, for a long time right it's one of the one of the things that Kyle Scott started when he started the website was writing about the media and because people are interested in it and especially you know radio wars some of our best posts of all time most red posts have been radio wars articles um and you know, I don't usually take the time to come on here and or on Snow the goalie or any podcast really, and and start ripping local radio because I listen to it just like everybody else does, right? So I, I'm just as guilty, if I guess if I'm if I have it on in the car all the time. But I feel like sometimes, you know, people get their opinions shaped in this city by what is said on the radio, and that's not a surprise. I mean, that's always kind of been the case that you know they're considered a, a a place to get information and a place to talk about things and hear opinions but the last couple of days I've been a little annoyed with WIP and here's what here's what my annoyances are and it's mostly yesterday I guess it, it, it happened twice yesterday um, and w- one of them I didn't really address until this morning but I wanted to wait until Monday when you can call into his show but um, so it starts off yesterday morning Joe Giglio puts a tweet out, and he's comparing Zach Wheeler to Roy Halladay, his first 95 starts as a Philly. And their numbers, if you look at those 95 starts, are pretty close, pretty identical. I mean, really, really close. Um, But what Joe does not share in that tweet is the fact that that includes all of the 2012 Roy Halladay season, which was a bad one. And the first part of the 2013 season, which was when he retired, um, and that they were, you know, it was his decline. It was his injury riddled seasons. Um, and so those numbers, those bad starts, probably I think it was 30 of them, right? 30 of those 95 starts were so bad that it pulled his numbers even with Wheeler. And that's not the knock Wheeler. Wheeler's been very, very good as a Philly. But by putting that tweet out, you're now putting an expectation on this fan base that Zach Wheeler is going to be pitching like Roy Halladay. And that's unfair to Zach Wheeler. So I have a problem with that. That's the first one. And let me give you the other one I'll give you real quick, and then you can kind of respond. On the way home from the game last night, Tom Kelly's doing the postgame show. He's doing.
0: Final <laughs> I, know out. He, I know what this is going to be. Final, he's
1: doing final is. out. Of of the of the post. show. This going to
0: be about the player
1: of the game. Pick the player of the game. <laughs> Noel pitches seven innings, one hitter, nine strikeouts. He gave the player of the game to Kyle Schwarber for a leadoff home run, and then and then defended it for the entirety of his show. Now I can't believe he honestly believes that. I think that that has to be. It's Sunday afternoon, and I want to generate phone calls into this radio show, and then people are going to call and tell me he's an idiot, and and he's okay with that, and that's fine. But the reality is, is there are people who listen to that who go, oh, well, well, maybe the start wasn't that good by Nola, and I have a problem well, I mean, with that. Okay, all, those right. Opinions. all right, here I go.
0: So first of all, I'll take the second point first. If if you listen to that yesterday, and because Tom Kelly didn't give uh, Aaron Nola player of the game post game show like if you think he didn't have a good start because of that, like then you're an idiot. Like, right. Like that's on <laughs> you. Do. Like how stupid can you be? But here's the thing. If you listen to these guys consistently, you kind of know that it's a bit like for Tom Kelly, like he does every time Aaron Nola struggles, he does the, the Twitter hashtag fake ace. Like yes. that's his thing. So yes, I, like I think he knows that Aaron Nola was the player of the game. And yes, it Was kind of playing into that bit. His producer, I don't know his name, it might have been uh Earnshaw. I, I don't yeah, know, Nick, it, was, it uh,
1: was Nick Earnshaw, yeah.
0: And he was like, Come on, man, like that's absolutely ridiculous. So at least you have like the dissenting opinion on the show to call out the, the insanity of what he was doing. But like, that's correct, yeah. yeah. I do definitely think there was like a tongue in cheek element to that.
1: Could have well been, could have well been.
0: That being said, we'll go to Jillio now, like, and and we know. Like I've said it before, maybe you and I disagree on this a little bit. I know that people online really get after Joe for the takes. I used to be a frequent guest on Joe's show. I appreciated that. Maybe I even look at him more favorably than I should because he gave me a platform. Full disclosure, right? That being said... I will tell you that sometimes I listen to that show w- with Joe and, and Hugh Douglas. And I'm like, of course, this is today's opinion. Like, of course, this is the way that we're going to go. Like, no surprise here. It's always like that devil's advocate. Let me get a reaction type thing. And sometimes I think Joe means it. And sometimes I wonder if if things get stretched out in a way that you're, you're trying to bait. When I look at this particular, this particular tweet, though, like, I guess I don't see it to be quite as as egregious as you do in that, like, first 95 starts with the Phillies. He lays out Zach Wheeler's numbers. He he lays out Roy Halladay's numbers. And I get your complaint in that in a lot of ways he's, he's saying, well, Zach Wheeler, like, if, if without any further explanation, you're basically saying Zach Wheeler is Roy Halladay and thus, therefore, you must expect Zach Wheeler to be Roy Halladay. But, like, when you just look at the overall value of what these guys have been, like, I think Joe's – I can't speak for him, but like, I think the intention here is to be like, Zach Wheeler has been really damn good. And is comparing him to Roy Halladay, the way to do that? Like probably not, but like there's 95 starts, whether or not like Halliday's 2012 and 2013 numbers were part of it. Like that happened. So like from a longevity standpoint, like I could make an argument that maybe Zach Wheeler is going to be more valuable at the end of this entire deal than Roy Halladay was for those two years, because, Halliday wasn't very good beyond 2011. Like, so but, in totality, like, could, could we have a debate whether Zach Wheeler was a better contract than Roy
1: Halliday? Like, I know that a, although it seems blasphemous, but like, maybe. Well, that's a different, that's a different conversation. Sure. If you want to talk about the contract, that's a whole different conversation, and I think that that is a that is a, a, a nuanced approach and a fair discourse that you could take on that. And I think it's it's a good argument. I think you can make that argument. But if you want to compare pitchers, I don't care. You say first ninety five starts is you know with a team. Well, you have to understand where those pitchers are in their careers. With that team, if you want to compare Zach Wheeler's 95 starts with the Phillies, compare them to 95 starts with with Roy Halladay at the same time in his career, regardless if he was with the Blue Jays or the Phillies, doesn't matter, compare them at the same time. And then when you see that the numbers are not even close then it's like, oh, okay, Zach Wheeler's really good, but he's not Hall of Famer Doc Halliday. Then right, well, again,
0: I mean, to and your I think point, that- if, you, if you take Wheeler's numbers as w- when he's 35 and 36 years old, which is when Halliday's 2012 and 2013 seasons occurred, yeah, you know, hey, it might be a different story. But, like, again, I, I hear you, and, like, to try to frame statistics in a way that make Zach Wheeler look like Roy Halliday, peak Roy Halliday, is, is uh, you know, incorrect. Yes. Um maybe among other things incorrect but yeah like when you look at the total value of what he's been i mean i think oh, there's, there's no doubt there's like a way to contextualize that and say like dude this guy has been unbelievable
1: then, then do it then right. contextualize then it, it. Yeah. right you know what i'm saying i have no problem if you want to contextualize it then do so but don't just put it out there and have no other response and leave it to the fans to figure out what the heck you're saying because the majority of the people in this city Will think you're comparing Zach Wheeler to Roy Halladay, and if they and there are a lot of fans, Bob, and we see them on social media all the time because they come at us, who say that you know they, they the things that they say are based off of things they hear on WIP, and so therefore they're letting their opinions be formulated by these talking points that are on talk radio that I. I don't think are fair to the players. That's all I'm saying. Just if you want to if Joe wants to extend that and contextualize it like you just did for him, then I have zero argument with mm-hmm. the with the tweet. Zero. None. But to just, just put it out there and leave it there, what do you think that the what do you think that the public's going to take out of it? Yeah. They're going to respond the same way I did.
0: Yeah, what was the uh, – I, I saw the tweet, but I didn't go into the replies or the quote tweets or any of that stuff. Like, were people pushing back against that oh, pretty of course heavily? They did.
1: Or, yeah. Of course they did. Of course they did. I mean, you got a couple people who said, hey, Zach, great season, or, you know, You're, you've been great for Zach, of course. but and, and I don't doubt that. I don't disagree with that. It's just that most people are looking at it like, dude, you cannot cherry-pick these stats and just leave it at the cherry-picked stats. Is you won't the use best- them. Use them. Is that the best
0: Phillies free agent Contract in the last, I don't know. Let's go back to two thousand. I mean, I guess Cliff Lee is the other one.
1: Uh, maybe. Uh, Bar- Harper. Bryce Harper, I guess
0: <laughs> the value of Harper. Yeah. yeah, I guess the value of Harper at this point too, with the dollar amount. It, like that, that deal every day. Yeah, gets more ridiculous. You know, yeah. like yeah. I mean, I guess Bryce is I, definitely the the obvious one.
1: Yeah, Harper. But I mean, it's close. Other than I mean, other than Harper, you take Harper out of it, is it the next best one? It's close. They're yeah.
0: gonna have quite a decision on their hands this offseason with not just Nola, but now beyond that, because I think Nola, you know, they're different different timelines. Wheeler has the additional year, but like there's math that's involved here. Like you say, like, well, we have Zach. Do we want to do Zach after next year? Or do we want to find an extension with Zach? Maybe because of that, we're not gonna go as heavy on Air. Like the, I am very, very it's like, gonna it be can, intriguing. There's so much to figure out here between now and this season. Like, yeah. there's so many things to talk about and focus on. But man, like, what a decision! And, like, and there's I'll, a way I'll, that that decision could like totally alter the future of this organization. And, you know? and I'll
1: say this, Bob. You know, they they cut off the talks for signing Nola back in you know beginning of spring training. If they knew then that Andrew Painter was going to need Tommy John surgery and not pitch until 2025, would the Phillies have signed Nola then?
0: Well, if Aaron Nolan knew that he was going to spend most of this season being looked at as a un- overwhelming right. disappointment, would he have signed that? Right, That's now, same like, thing,
1: right? Both, both sides. Of, there's,
0: there's a lot of if to this, and yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting because then what happens if like even if, if if you just play this out, and I think it all comes down to the postseason, right? Like it's going right. to be what happens in the playoffs. If he bombs, and he could be awesome the next five, six weeks, and if he bombs in the playoffs, people are going to be out. And he could continue to sort of be up and down over the next six weeks. But if he figures it out in the postseason, people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Yeah. But like, there's so much at stake for him. And I know that there's some team that is going to look at him and look at the track record and look at the innings pitched and see that he's had starts this season, like he's had the last two times out, like he had against the Astros back in late April, against uh, the the Rays in July. Like, someone's going to pay him. And we've said that all along. Yeah. But are they, are, is someone willing to get crazy? You know, like, there's so much at stake for this player over the next six, seven, eight weeks, depending how deep this, this postseason run goes, if, assuming they get there. Like, it, it is going to be truly compelling to watch that unfold.
1: Yeah, it is. One last thing, and we can wrap this up. Did you see um, uh, Brandon, Brandon Lau, the interview after the, what happened with the Yankees yesterday?
0: No, because as you know, I only pay attention to the Phillies. I know that they got into a little brouhaha or whatever yesterday, and everyone hates the Yankees. What, what happened?
1: So there was a they. I guess a Rosarena got hit by a pitch, and it was like the twelfth time this year that the Yankees have hit a Rays batter, and so there was a lot of lot of you know bad blood back and forth. And on the post game, this is the Rays TV broadcast uh, on the post game. Um, they're asking uh, Brandon Lau about it. And his his response was, "They're a last place team playing against a team that's in contention. It's not worth our time. We need each game. They're not really in each into each game." I was like, "How do you say it? You just like, ah, eh, screw those guys."
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's an organization that if if they were, I don't know, the Orioles, like I don't think yeah. you take those shots. But man, when they right? are down, it is fun to watch them be down it's a, a riot man what a miserable like what a miserable organization that that is like it yeah. has been now for almost what 13 years yeah I mean, like they've made the playoffs they've had some moments they have had some big time free agent signings and you know garrett cole and you know certainly aaron judge had a magical season last year like there's been some good there but like you When when you are that team and you're the Yankees and you spend the way they spend and every year is make or break, boom or bust, it's been, like, a really weird – because they haven't really been legit. Like, yeah. there's probably been, like, with, without really thinking about it, there's probably been one or two years in there where you felt like maybe they were going to get to the World Series. But watching postseasons, uh, you know, sort of evolve with them, like, you've never felt like, oh, damn, like, watch out for this team. They've just kind yeah. of been there and, eh.
1: Yeah, I mean even you know even like last year like we knew that they weren't going to beat you. Yeah,
0: like last year they were in the way. I remember we were yeah. uh, getting ready for it might have been game 4 uh against the Padres or no, was it was, which series was it? Was it the Padres when the Yankees were still in were they still in last year at yeah, that they
1: point? they lost to the Astros. Yeah, the and the Astros,
0: Astros just just blew them blew them away. It was like a yeah. waste of time. Yeah. So yeah, I remember watching it on the screen and we were like talking to each other like they have no shot.
1: Yeah, none. <laughs> it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. So, yeah, it's it's just fun to kind of, you know, to shit all over New York baseball this year. It just really is fun to do that.
0: Yes, uh, I, I don't I don't hate it. So, you know. Let's see, maybe the uh, Jets and Giants will get it going for the, the final in New York this season.
1: There you go, exactly. All right,
0: well, that'll do it for the latest episode of Crossed Up. I enjoyed this one, uh, Anthony, and uh, we will be back on Friday. And you can follow the show account at Phillies on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Anthony at Philly. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. Make sure that you check us out anywhere you get your podcast. You can also view the show on YouTube, uh, and we will talk to you on Friday.